So today, 100 million people are going to tune in, roughly 100 million people, tune in to one football game at the same time. And I'm just curious, planning on watching the game? Planning on watching the commercials? There's most of you right there. Planning on watching the halftime show? Nobody. That's right. Hey, I know. We're not stupid. Hey, we're going to do some things that are a little bit out of the ordinary. We're going to have some fun here this morning. What I want us to see, we're, we're going to navigate this. And because of the significance of this day, which isn't spiritual, don't misunderstand me, but I want to take and, and focus on this contrast between the Super Bowl Sunday and the most magnificent thing, event that has ever happened in human history. And even beyond supernatural history. And I just, I'm excited for it. I don't know how well I'll be able to communicate it, but I'm, I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in us as we reflect on this. But I, I asked for two volunteers. Caden, you're coming up, and Benjamin coming up. So they're going to help me out here as we get started here. We haven't done anything like this for quite some time, but we're going to give it a whirl here. Because both of these guys are hungry and want candy. That's right. Okay. Do you like chocolate? Yeah. Good. Last time I did something like this, it really flopped. Okay, though some of them know who I'm talking or what I'm talking about. I was like, wow, I hope he's processed this a little bit further. I haven't. Okay, so Caden, welcome, and Benjamin, welcome. Say hi to everyone. Good. All right, we're off to a booming start just now. So here's what we're going to do. Don't don't be looking at that. This is my cheat sheet. Okay, we got true and false questions based off of this game that is happening today. What is the game called? You can't say that. They'll censor you. Whoever these people are, okay? So we're going to have to say the big game or something like that. So if I ever say the Super Bowl, just ignore me. Okay, question number one. I'm going to give this, you're older than Caden, right? So you have more experience so that you're cheating. So we're going to give it to Caden because he's younger. Does that make sense? You're in seventh grade, Caden? Very good. And you're in eighth grade? This is really great. You guys are really talkers. You know, I was thinking about this before. If you don't know Benjamin, you might know his brother DJ. DJ was one of my favorite people to tease. And DJ's off to college, though. He's back today. Welcome, DJ. Um, and so I figured now it's going to be Benjamin's turn. All right. So here's the question, first question. It goes to you, Caden. So I'm going to use the microphone because I want everyone else to be able to hear whether you get this correct or not. You with me? You should hold that. All right. It's a true or false question. So you say true if you think it's what? Good. And you say false if you think what? Right. He's smart. He knows what he's doing here. So every question you get right, I'm going to give you... A piece of candy. Okay, are you excited for this? Kind of good. Thank you, Caden. All right, question number one. The Super Bowl is one of the most watched sporting events in the world. True or false? True. Yeah, he nailed it. How about that? You got big pockets? Because I got a hunch that you're going to be needing... No, if you put that in there, where's mom? Don't let it melt. Okay? It's not my fault. Okay? I washed my hands of this. So did Pilate, but that didn't do him much good. Okay, next question. This one's going to go to you, Benjamin. Now, also, if you get it wrong, he gets a chance to steal. Okay? All right, for, the question is, uh, all of the Super Bowls have been sellouts. True. That is false. <laughs> the, the first Super Bowl was not a sellout, and I think I know why. Do you know why? Exactly. Okay. Forgetting that, that's a bonus one. You get that. All right. That, that was really good. Thank you so much for that, Benjamin. That just made my day right there. This has already gone better than the last illustration we did, didn't it? That one was so terrible. No offense, Sophia. Okay. 
Okay, here's the next question. You ready for this one, Kaden? Uh, did you say no? What in the world? Okay, Betty White. Do you know who Betty White is? Didn't think so. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, Betty White was in a Kit Kat advertisement in 2010. False. How did you know? Oh, do you, I'll, I'll give you a bonus treat if you can tell me what commercial she was in for. No, she wasn't. That was false. She wasn't, didn't do the Kit Kat one. Do you, do you know which one she did do? <laughs> nope, no, it wasn't Raisin. Do you know Benjamin? Wow. <laughs> the answer was Snickers. It's Snickers. I can't give you that one. I'll give that to the overall winner, okay? Sorry. Wow. Okay. That was really fun, though. Thank you for that. I really enjoyed that. Okay. Uh, Super Bowls are named using Roman numerals. True or false? True. Okay. Bonus one, if you can tell me what the Roman numerals are for this Super Bowl and what they stand for. L-V-I-I, Super Bowl 57. Wow. Impressive. That's right. You... You totally made up for that whole Snickers fiasco. Okay. I'm going to skip around here. Okay, the, the Detroit Lions. Everyone loves the Lions, right? You know, history has shown we have had, it's been a few times we've had a couple of diehard Lions fans in this church body. I don't know why. You know, because Vikings are bad enough. They've at least been there four times and lost all four. But the Lions have, true or false, ever been to the big game right they have never been to the big game good I kind of set you up for that one it would have been disappointing if you hadn't gotten that right you guys are doing a nice job of passing that back and forth by the way okay here we go true or false Benjamin you know who Billie Jean King is no didn't think so Uh, true or false Billie Jean King tossed out the coin they did the coin toss at Super Bowl 20 in the 2022 Super Bowl false Uh, that was true sorry Caden you get that one okay (laughs) However, I will give you a bonus treat if you can tell me what sport she played. No clue. Okay, it wasn't badminton. It wasn't racquetball. It wasn't... Wow, how did you know that? Wow. Seriously, this kid's sharp. Unbelievable. Okay, we're almost done. We're almost done. Okay, hang tight. All right. Where's my clicker? Oh, it's in my back pocket. I had it in my front pocket, but it kept buzzing, and so I kept maybe switching slides on my own. All right. True or false, Caden, this is Tom Brady. Boy, am I glad you got that one. Okay. That was, you got me nervous. Okay. True or false, Benjamin. Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl rings. Sure. Very good. Wow. You guys know your football, don't you, here? All right. True or false, Caden. Tom Brady has more Super Bowl rings than anyone else. That is true. Sorry about that. (laughs) True or false? Tom Brady is an amazing football player. False. Oh, you're wrong. (laughs) Here's the thing. Whether you're a Tom Brady fan or not is irrelevant. The fact that he's got seven Super Bowl rings, I know, yeah, it's whatever. Can't believe that. Okay, Kate, I set you up for this one. You're ready for this one. Tom Brady is the best quarterback ever. Yeah, see? That's easy to do, right? I, got, I guess you got to throw this at you, Benjamin. I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but it's hard to argue the numbers, right? That's where Caden's coming from. Make sure you check his pockets. He's got a lot of chocolate in there. I don't want it melting. Okay. All right, here we go. Tom Brady is the most powerful quarterback in history. 
True. Oh, wow. You're good. You're good at that. That's wonderful. Hey, you guys, thanks so much. Are you getting to get here? This is one for each of you. There you go. Thank you guys so much. It is, it is fascinating when we look at Tom Brady. And this isn't a message about Tom Brady. It's about someone that's much greater than Tom Brady. But it's hard to argue these numbers. I mean, the man's got seven Super Bowl championships, and he, he did it with, like, one team for the first six. And then it's like, well, is he really that good, or is it the team around him? Is it the coach? You don't know. And then he switched to this team that, that wasn't really all that. And next thing you know, he's winning another one. And you can't really argue as a football fan that this guy's got to be pretty good at what he's doing. You know, and in, in fact, I can't help but wonder, if the Vikings would have had Tom Brady, would we have won a Super Bowl yet? Probably not. It's the kicker problem, right? If, and if, if you look at, at, at the, if the Detroit Lions had had Tom Brady, would they have been to a Super Bowl? Probably not. You know, he's good, but he's not all powerful. And what, I, what I'm struck by is like we, we esteem people like this, and I'm not diminishing the idea of football and loving it and enjoying the game, but we take in our culture, we esteem this, this concept and this reality of winning to be so elevated. We want to win at everything. And so we, we strive at it. And if you can win, then you have value in something that you've done, whether it's winning at football, whether it's winning at getting good grades in school, whatever these competitions are, we're inundated with them in our society, and winning is important. We don't have a good place for non-winners. See, I avoid using the word losers because losers are so negative, so we like to call them non-winners. We give participation trophies to people who are non-winners, right? And we're going to see this picture that there's something much better, much greater, much more wonderful and sweet about what Jesus has done than any game you're going to watch. And again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to diminish, hey, go and watch the game, enjoy the game. That's fine. But there's something really amazing and great that I do want us to focus on here today. And John gives us a picture of what he saw. And no matter how great you think Tom Brady is, Okay, no matter how powerful he is in regards to whatever team you surround him with, you know, just keep this in mind. He played for 20-some years. I don't know exactly know the number. He won seven Super Bowls. That's like less than 50%. You know, is he that good? He's not that good. If he was that good, he would have won them all. And that's just not the case. But in the midst of it, we have this picture where John, who was one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, nearing the end of his life, is given a vision. And he gets to see Jesus in this moment in his heavenly glory. Look at this description. And you contrast it, how great Tom Brady is and, and other professional players, comparative to the all-powerful greatness of who Jesus Christ is. Look at John's descriptor. So John, he gets this image and he writes it down. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. So John hears this voice. He turns around to look at this voice to see who it is that's communicating to him. And he says, when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among these lampstands was something like the son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. So this is a kingly figure that John sees. The hair on his head was white like wool as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing water. You ever stand next to a waterfall and try to have a conversation with someone? 
I mean, it's loud. It's incredibly powerful. And here's this image that John gives us. It's like this being that, that he is seeing face to face is like, this guy is indescribable. And yet he's trying to come up with some ideas and some words, some formations that can help us understand Jesus' greatness. And I'll tell you this, all of John's descriptors are probably falling quite short of really the image that he saw. Verse 16, it says, In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. And these all, they have different figurative meanings, and we're not getting into that. That's not the point. The point of this is, see Jesus, who he really is. He is magnificent. He is the Holy One. He is Almighty. Because when we come to see who he really is, and then we're going to take a look at what he did, it's astounding. And that's the greatest moment that I want us to see here this morning. His face was like the, the sun shining in all of his brilliance. I read, and apparently it's fake news. I don't know what's real news and what's fake news anymore. But apparently last week, a couple of days ago, I read that a part of the sun fell off. And then I read that it did, that's not really true. Did it happen and someone's covering up or did it not happen? I don't know what the reality of it is. But the, the point of it is, you ever look directly at the sun, please don't. Okay, even when they say in an eclipse, you shouldn't look directly at the sun because it can be damaging to your eyes. Can you imagine trying to keep your eyes wide open in the bright sunlight and staring directly into the sun? It would melt your eyeballs. And this is that picture. He says, his face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, what's John's reaction? I fell on my face as though I were dead. I mean, this is your response. It's like, wow, you're really great. How would you respond? How would you react if you came face to face with Tom Brady? Oh, would you mind signing my football? If I don't have a football, go and buy it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know that I would fall on my face and worship him. I might be like, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm getting to meet perhaps the greatest football player, the greatest quarterback who's ever played the game. But I would not fall on my face as though I were dead. And so here's what you have this picture John, who sees Jesus in all of his brilliant glory. And John was one of the disciples. He walked with Jesus. He had seen him in the flesh before, but there's something different about this image. I apologize for last week with that illustration with the spotlight. That's what I was trying to point out is the, the shining glory. Well, apparently it was pointing directly in some of your faces. I'm sorry about that. I, was, I should have thought through some more things. I didn't. I apologize. But, but you see, that's, that's kind of the picture. Where you have this bright, shining light. It's like, I can't see. It's, it's consuming to me. I'm blinded by the light. Someone should write a song about that. I fell on my face as though I were dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. Oh, this is magnificent. You have Jesus, the greatest man, the greatest being ever, who loves and cares, places his hand and says, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive. This is an important note, because we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15 today, which is all about this resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is what John is seeing as the resurrected Jesus Christ. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Incidentally, starting up in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be entering into a series with the Grow Group, the adult Grow Group following the service starting at 1105, goes to 1145, on heaven and hell. And it's going to be one of those... It causes us to wonder, it causes us to think, so I would invite you into that as well. Again, that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks, starting in the first of March, or first Sunday in March. Ephesians 2 gives us a picture of really John's reaction. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, 
This is Paul's description of what we were like before Jesus Christ. And he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I think when John came to see Jesus Christ, though he knew him, when he came to see him in all of his glory, he couldn't help but think, I am as if dead, comparative to who this magnificent creator is. Do you see that, what I'm I'm getting at there? And what Paul's getting at is that before you have Christ, you're dead. You're dead in your transgressions and your sins. It's interesting. Does anyone know who this guy is? Should have asked you guys this. Do you know who this guy is? His name is Patrick Pass. He also has three Super Bowl rings. Three of them. He must be a pretty good player. Played for the Patriots, along with Tom Brady. Interestingly, in his three Super Bowl post-seasons, which he had nine playoff games that he was involved in, they put him in for one down, so he, had, he was a running back. One rush, and he didn't get any yards. Nothing. Big old goose egg. Three playoff seasons, nine playoff games, three championship rings are on his fingers, and he had one play which went for zero yards. And he got the championship. Isn't that interesting? He did nothing. He rode on the coattails of someone much greater than himself, whether it was just Tom Brady or the rest of the team. But the point of it is, this is that image. I am Patrick Pass. Because whatever I do accounts for no gain. But everything that Jesus did, I get the reward for. Isn't that something? Here's a picture of the rings. Six of them for the Patriots. He's got three of these things. I don't know which ones he's got. Makes no difference. But it's astounding when you look at Jesus Christ and the victory that he brings, oh, I want us to see it. I want us to taste it. I want us to know it. And then I want it, our lives to be affected by it. And that's what we're going to see. Paul's going to point that out here in a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2 says, okay, so we were dead in our transgressions and sins. In other words, every effort that we had was for zero gain. All right, I, I worked hard. I, I did the practice. I put, I put in the work. I did, in the, I did the time. And when I got put into the game, I fell on my face. I blew it. I messed it up. And how many of us live our lives like that? It's like, I thought I was going to do better. I thought I was ready for this coach. I'm sorry, I failed. It's like, Jesus, I, I thought I could do it. I thought I could resist. I thought I, I thought I, thought I, and I, and I failed. And yet, Patrick Pass has three championship rings. What does that mean for us? In Ephesians chapter 2, then, and Paul goes on to say, but because, there's, there's a transition here, despite the fact that you, despite your best efforts, you're still dead, despite your best efforts, you still flat, fell flat on your face, despite your best efforts, you had zero gain, we have this to look forward to, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. Though I was dead, he took and scooped me up, though I'd done nothing to deserve life, and he gave me life where there was previously no life. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Despite the fact that you had nothing to give to this team, guess what? I'm going to make you a champion. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressing, expressed excuse me, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. You can get into the game 
Let's say you're a great running back. Let's say you're a Tom Brady, and you contribute, you contribute, contribute, and yet still what you find is it's just not enough. Tom Brady won seven championships. He should have won 20-something. Do you see the point? The perfection that God is calling for, only Jesus can accomplish it. For it is by grace that you have been saved. It's, it's kind of like this. That Patrick Pass got three championship rings. I have one. It's because I'm really good at football. Or it's the fact that I know someone whose dad was really good at football. But do you, do you understand? It's like we can do all that we can and all of my efforts, and I can wear the ring and think, there, I've done it, I've earned it. But in the reality of this Patrick Pass character, who I feel like I closely resemble, it was given to him as an act of grace. Do you follow? I did nothing to deserve the championship. But Jesus Christ, who we just saw seated in glory, we saw this imagery, he gives it to us. It's like, here's the championship ring. I didn't do anything. I ran one time and I got zero yards. It doesn't matter. This is for you. You get the ring. What do you mean? I didn't didn't do anything to deserve a championship. That was all Tommy's doing. No, I'm giving it to you. To anyone who wants to receive it can have it. But I didn't do anything. Exactly. Jesus says, I did everything. And so he gives us the ring, the championship ring. And we'll see the role that we maybe have with that here in a little bit as we, we go on. I can't wear it. It doesn't fit. Jim must have had huge hands for this to fit. Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you have been saved. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I can't help but think of the Vikings season this last year. Are you a Vikings fan at all? Because it was, it was astounding, and I caught myself, and I should say someone else caught me and pointed it out to me, and they were absolutely right, and it was kind of frustrating that they were right and I was not. But it is what it is. In these games, this year, what did we have? I don't, I've got it here somewhere. There was like seven of them. Seven games, I think, where I, I looked it up to where the Vikings had no business winning the game. In other words, they were dead on arrival. They were dead in the water. There's no reason they should have pulled it off. One was against the Lions, but that's the Lions. That doesn't really count, right? That was week four. You know, at one point, they had a 6.8. I don't know how they figured this stuff out, but they had a 6.8 chance of winning, and they won it with 45 seconds left in the game. Wow, this team is so good. Not really. Versus the Saints, week five, the very next week, 24 seconds left. They win the game. In week nine against the Washington Commanders, 12 seconds left. They pull it off and win the game. Versus Buffalo, who can forget that one? That was insane, wasn't it? And I remember this is the game. I was talking to someone else about what happened, and I used the phrase, we. And he checked me and says, did you have anything to do with it? No, I didn't. But yet we, we attribute ourselves in that victory I can do that with the Vikings, but why do I struggle to do that with Jesus? Why? The victory is mine. And it's not because I did anything, but it's because he did it all. I mean, that was an astounding game. Everything was set. They were dead on their faces. They were dead in their sins and transgressions. Okay, go with me on the illustration idea. All the, all the other team has to do is take the ball and move it forward or not move it anywhere, you know? But instead, they dropped the ball. Where'd that come from? Did the Vikings win that game? No. Josh Allen dropped the ball. 
Derek or Eric, Kendricks didn't do anything to deserve that win. He fell on the ball. Oh, look what I did. You fell on the ball. That's all you did. And yet, victory was theirs. I don't, what I'm getting at is what we're going to see here. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 15 in just a moment. That victory is ours, but we don't live like it. Jesus has given us a victory, and we look like we just lost the game. Anyway, Buffalo game, that was insane. New England, not as dramatic, but it was a combined behind fourth quarter. The Colts game, we're down by 33-0. Notice I said we again. Did you catch that? I can't help it. You, attribute, you align yourself with it. Did I have anything to do with it? I don't know. I was rooting awfully hard. It's not true. I didn't even watch the game. The Giants in week 16, it just it goes on. It was, a, it was a crazy season. And as you look at it, I get this image like stuck, stuck, stuck. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then there's a victory. And I guess that's how I feel with my life. I'm stuck, stuck, stuck. And I forget that there's a victory. Oh, look at this. It's magnificent. So 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at a couple of verses in, in chapter 1, but I want us to see chapter 15. 15 is an astounding chapter. We're not going to do the whole thing. It's a long chapter. I just picked out a few verses that will give us a kind of a flow as to really what Paul's hitting on here. So these things that we look at our world, our world esteems victory. Our world esteems the winning aspect, and rightly so, but we look at the wrong thing that we're winning. So the Jews, they demand a sign, and the Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Okay, we preach Christ died, and the rest of the world, the Jews or the Gentiles, both look at this like, well, why are you aspiring to that? Your Savior is dead. You know, to the Jews, it's a stumbling block is what it says. And to the, to the Gentiles, it's foolishness. That doesn't make any sense. How great is your God that we were able to crucify him? I mean, he should have kept himself from the cross. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of of God is stronger than human strength. We have no idea how magnificent Jesus Christ is. We don't. Sometimes we get a, maybe just a touch, just a taste of it, and we're clueless as to how amazing and what the amazing thing that he's done. For Christ did not send me to baptize, this is Paul's writing, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be empty. In other words, not with me taking the ball and gaining 100 yards. That's not the point. Because all of my efforts are futile comparative to the cross and what Jesus Christ did on the cross. If, I, if it was all about my efforts and how I could take and win the game and do all the right things and bring salvation and victory to others, then I empty the cross of all of its power. If it relies on my strength and my ability to do what is right and to do what is good, if I can do enough things that are right, then maybe I can save myself. But I tell you this, I can't save you. But I'll tell you this, even backed up, there's no way I can save myself. I could never do it. None of you can. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us we are being saved. It is the power of God. And then we get into 15. This is all about resurrection. Look at this. By this gospel you were saved. Not by your own works, not by how many yards you gained. That's not how you won the game. You won the game because you, Patrick Pass, had a team that came up and won it for you, and you received the gift that was offered to you. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. In other words, what is our job? 
is to believe, to believe in the truth, to believe in the word. We'll get into that maybe here in a little bit. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Look at this. Oh, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Do you hear that? According to what I wanted him to do? No. According to what I think was best? No. What did he according to the scriptures. In other words, what Paul's pointing out is, there is a truth, I want you guys to see it. There's a truth before Jesus Christ even came, it existed in the scriptures. And Jesus Christ did everything that those scriptures said. Why did he do it? Because I couldn't. You couldn't. No offense, but I would not put my salvation in your hands. Because I know I wouldn't put it in my hands. There's only one place I can put my salvation, and that is in the hands of Jesus Christ. I mean, just, you gotta hear about the victory. But of the first importance, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is all in the truth of the scriptures. Some of us here, online, society, culture, I don't know where you're at. We've discredited the value of the scriptures or the truth of the scriptures. Paul isn't. Paul's looking at us like, you need to look at the scriptures and test. Did Jesus do what he said he was going to do? Yes, he did. Is he who he said he was? Is he God? Yes. Did he bring salvation like God's promise? Yes. Is his the victory or is yours the victory? It's his victory. I just, the idea of the truth, and that's a message for a different day. The idea of the truth in our culture, we have come to believe what we want to believe. Do you want to believe the truth even if it goes against what you think or what you want? And that's a hard thing to say yes to because for some of us that would mean I got to change my thinking. I got to change my beliefs. But I'm convinced that if we really seek what is true, God will reveal to us what is true, not what I want to be true. Because I got to be honest, there's a lot of things that I want to be true that would make my life easy and comfortable, but that's not, that's not the point of it. Third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to, and so on, verses five through nine, basically what we have is evidence. So Jesus not only did what the scriptures said he was going to do, but people saw it. Okay, that's the point of it. And that he appeared to, to Cephas, who is also Simon, and then to the 12, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and the sisters at the same time. In other words, what this resurrection is true, not only because the scripture said it was going to happen and he did it, but also because you have more than 500 witnesses that saw that what he actually did happened. If you were to tell someone who is not a football fan or even maybe were a football fan, hey, guess what? The Vikings won. What do you mean they won? They were behind 33-0. It's not possible. No, they won. And you tell them all about it, maybe they would believe you. Maybe they would have to see it in order to believe you. Maybe they think you're pulling their leg. But whatever the case is, Jesus revealed the fact that, to, that he was raised from the dead and he gave it witness to over 500 people saw him saying, I am alive. Though I was dead, I am alive. And the brothers and the sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, not anymore, this is the time Paul wrote it, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all of the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me. This is Paul. Also to one abnormally born. In other words, he didn't fit the mold. He had a unique conversion experience. And then he says it this way. I am Patrick Pass. In a sense. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I haven't done anything to bring value to this team. And yet I've received the victory. I've received the ring by grace that was given to me. I did nothing to deserve it. 
But by, grace, by, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without, I like this, his grace to me was not without effect. Are you affected by the victory of Jesus? You know what that means? Are you affected by the fact that you have received grace upon grace? Are you transformed by it? Are you changed by it? We'll wrap it up here in just a moment. He says, no, I worked harder than all of them. In other words, what's he saying? is that I received this grace, so now I have to earn it. That's not the point. He's saying, I received this grace. I am so impacted. I am so affected by the fact that Jesus gave me the championship ring, though I did nothing to offer up any kind of value to help him out. I had nothing to give. He gave it to me. It's like, oh man, I want to live my life for him. I want to do what he says. I want to obey him. Not because it's going to earn me a special place in heaven. Not because I'm going to get more jewels in my crown. Because he did that for me. I want to live my life for him. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Oh, it's magnificent. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep. In other words, what he's saying is, Jesus had victory. He raised from the dead. And he also says, Paul says, you're going to follow him. If you have a faith in Jesus Christ, you will not die. You will be raised from the dead as well. That'll be a freaky day, but I look forward to it. It'll be kind of fun. I don't like, know if you like horror movies. I don't, but this one might be an exception. Okay? When you see the dead rise up, I'm really curious to see how he's going to do that. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, that's me. So in Christ, all will be made alive. If you rely on me, sorry, you're dead. If you rely on Jesus Christ, you'll be made alive. Romans 5 recaps this as well. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, the death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because, of, because all sinned. But the gift of God is not like the trespass. For, the many, for if the many died for the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, the one who brings victory, overflow to the many? For if by the trespass of the one, in other words, by the sin of Adam, death reigned through that one, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ? For just as though, excuse me, for just as through the disobedience of Adam, the one man, and the many were made sinners, including myself, so also through the obedience of the one man, the victory that Jesus could only do, the many will be made righteous. There's only one reason I have the victory. It's not because I obeyed and worked harder. I don't obey to earn my righteousness. I obey because he gave me his. Do you see the difference? It's sweet. I have victory even when I fall on my face and gain zero yards. I messed up again, Lord. I know. And you're going to do it again as soon as we give you the ball. I'm going to do it this time, coach. I'm going to do it. Well, next time, don't run right into the big guy. Yeah, but I thought I could get through him this time. He picks you up and says, we still win. Here's your ring. What's our response? I'm kind of going over here. I think that's about all I've got. It's, oh, this is good, though. Darn it. Look at this. Okay, so we, we use this passage at funerals. It's wonderful. It gives us a bit of an idea as to what's actually awaiting for us, what this victory means. I'm almost done, I promise, okay? 
Verse 51 says, listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the flash and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable, that's me, must clothe itself with imperishable. I am perishable, but there's something that has been made imperishable in me and that is Jesus Christ and the spirit living in me and he has covered me in his righteousness. There is that imperishable that I can't put on myself, but he put it in me and on me, has covered me with it. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. I fell on my face and we still won. That's really what he's saying. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers, My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Here's the deal. You have victory. If you you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have victory. Stop living like you're a loser. You know? And what's funny is because I call myself that all the time because I recognize comparative, that's what I am. But yet now we get the contrast. He's put the ring on my finger and said, I've given you victory. So now what? We have a response, I guess. He offers you the victory. He offers you the championship. He offers you the win. And he offers you the ring. Number one is you have to say, okay, I'll receive it. I'll I'll take on and, and hold to your victory, the fact that you won and I never will. That's your first response. Have you done that? Your second response is to actually take and receive the ring acknowledge and believe day after day, I have a victory. It's not in my own strength, but because he won the game. But then it's to wear the ring. Not as it's some showpiece, but what this shows is I have a victory in Jesus. He is the one that has given me the victory. Wow, you got a championship there. Hey, good work, huh? Not me, but Christ in me. And when I wear that ring and we see that last verse, basically the works that I do are not me doing them, but it is the Spirit working through me. And so I have a response. My response is to obey the Word of God. My response is to obey Jesus Christ, not as a means to earn the ring, but because he's given me the grace to wear it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I don't know how this has landed. You know, we're, we're going to be watching the, the game here later on today. For some of us, maybe we really have a vested interest. I don't care. I mean, maybe I'd care if the Vikings were playing. I don't know. But there's something so magnificent with the victory that has been given to us. I just don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I want you to see you can have a victory in your life. Does that mean that you're no longer going to fall on your face when tempted? You probably still are sometimes. But you're going to remember, he's given me the victory, he's given me the win, he's given me the ring. I have won, not because of my efforts, but because of his efforts on me. And I'm going to get up off of my face, and I'm going to say, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll do what you say.